Well, thank you, Caleb. And what is up, everybody? Good morning. Happy Sunday to you. So excited you are joining with us online here at Seven Cities Church. We're honored that you would take the time uh, to worship with us. As uh, Caleb mentioned, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And just so honored to continue in this series called Filled. And uh, just looking forward to a great day together in the time that we have in God's Word. I hope uh, you didn't miss last week. We have a lot of good messages uh, from Pastor Jay, but last week was incredible. We talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you missed it, go back and watch it. Uh, they're not necessarily like fully connected in regards to like sermon material, obviously connected uh, in the aspect of living our lives filled with things from God, but uh, but man, it was an incredible message, and so uh, I'm ready to jump in today. We're going to jump right in. I have a very uh, simple but practical message, one that I'm very passionate about, and uh, I hope that you'll be encouraged and challenged today. Uh, in April, uh, I was down in near Atlanta at a conference. It was a children, student, and family ministry conference, and so I um, was able to get away from there or get away and go to there. And uh, one, of the, one of the days they had breakout sessions, and I went to this breakout session by a guy, uh, a pastor by the name of Jimmy Durrell. Now, Jimmy is my friend, and um, we met at the conference. So I guess it depends on how you define friend. Sometimes, just so you know, a little humor here. When I say someone is my friend, uh, sometimes it means that um, they're my friend, but they don't quite know that I'm their friend yet because they've never met me. But <laughs> anyways, a little weird there. I actually did meet Pastor Jimmy. We had a conversation at the conference and the breakout that he was doing was called the Church and Community Development. And so he was talking about how to go into an area, how to make an impact as a church in a community. And let me just tell you Pastor Jimmy's story um, briefly, not my story to share, but but it uh, it impacted me greatly. Pastor Jimmy grew up very much like me uh, in church. His entire life was in church when the doors were open. Uh, the kind of American dream, if you will, of what church looks like in the Bible Belt. And as he got a little bit older, he got married and took a trip around the world. Him and his brand new wife spent six months traveling all over the world doing some mission work into some of the slums. And he actually got to have an opportunity to do some ministry with Mother Teresa. Uh, Pastor Jimmy is a few years older than me. And so they did this incredible journey, this incredible trip saw things, experienced things um, that they had never seen or experienced in the way that they had always been taught and had always done church before. And so he got home, he told his wife, look, we can never go back to the way that we've always done church. He wasn't necessarily saying that it was wrong or that there was anything necessarily, you know, uh, sinful about it, but he just felt as if the way that he was, uh, had been taught, had been raised, the church that he was attending was different than what he felt like God had designed the church to be and what God was calling him to be after he had seen and experienced what he did. And so he set out on this journey to make church different. And so he lived right outside of Waco, Texas, and there was a neighborhood in Waco that many years ago uh, was a very rich, wealthy, historic part of town, uh, massive houses. It was very um, just well put together, and year after year, that neighborhood uh, took a, a deep, dark, drastic decline, and years later, now uh, it's a barren 
uh, poverty-stricken, drug-addicted, homelessness, prostitution. Uh, it was just a very, very bad part of town. And so Pastor Jimmy said, uh, I'm going to move into this neighborhood. And so here, uh, a middle-aged white man buys a 2,000-square-foot house in the middle of this neighborhood um, that looked very similar to some of the things that he experienced in third world countries uh, for $12,000. And so he moves into this neighborhood, has no idea how he's going to impact this area, but feels that God has called him to it. And so he puts a half court basketball court and goal beside his house. And not long after it is established, kids start coming by. And then he makes it into a full court and more kids start coming by. Then he begins to have access um, to some of their families, start building relationships with some of them to let them know he was there because he cared and he loved them and he wanted to help them any way that he could. He started going under the bridges where uh, the homeless population was and started doing a Bible study there and just started loving on the people there. It didn't take long after several weeks of showing up doing a Bible study, the homeless people took their cardboard signs, turned them around the other way and wrote, Bible study, 10 a.m., join us now. And instead of standing on the side of the road saying, we want food, they said, come join us for Bible study. They continued to live in this area and began to try to figure out what they needed, how they could help. He took an old theater that years ago was a, a very well-known established theater like you and I would go to uh, today. And then as the years passed, that theater closed down. It then became a theater for something else, uh, an X-rated theater where they were filming live videos there, uh, prostitution all on the street. The gas stations were terrible. There was no local restaurant. So he then bought another building uh, by raising money, started a little local cafe there. He then bought another store that uh, was an old grocery store. This area had not had a grocery store in over three years. Um, and now he still runs a nonprofit grocery store with a fully functioning greenhouse beside it. He supplied jobs to all of these areas. And then under the bridge, this Bible study uh, began to grow and grow and grow, and it actually turned into a church. And this pastor, Pastor Jimmy Durrell, has been pastoring a church called Church Under the Bridge for over 20 years in Waco, Texas. And he told all kinds of stories about uh, about this church. I'll tell one just because it's hilarious, but also incredible uh, in regards to what we're going to talk about. But a guy by the name of Patrick, who had some drug-induced uh, drug disabilities, started showing up at their church. He was homeless. And uh, after he showed up, they had a church service under the bridge. He went up to Pastor Jimmy and he told Pastor Jimmy he wanted to be on the praise team. And so they were wondering what they were going to do with Patrick. How are we going to get Patrick on the praise team? And so they said, all right, Patrick, we're going to get you some bongos. And so they got him some bongos. They let him play in for about five minutes. Pastor Jimmy says within five minutes, the bongo was rolling down the, uh, the little ramp there under the bridge rolling into the highway. And so they were like, all right, Patrick's not going to play the bongos. And so the next week they come and they take duct tape and they make a little two by two square and they put it right in front of the stage and they say, Patrick, you're going to direct the band today. You're going to stand in this square because they're trying to keep him in one spot and you're going to direct the worship team today. And he said, he didn't stand in the square very long, so that didn't work out. So the next week, Pastor Jimmy said, we found the perfect instrument. We got Patrick an electric guitar, and Patrick has been playing the electric guitar now on the stage for 13 years, 
and it's never been plugged in, and it's never been in sync with anything that they were doing. But he said, Patrick just sits up there and plays that thing all day long. He said, every once in a while, he'll just stop for a moment and like do some type of what seems like sign language, but it's not sign language, and he'll go back to playing, and he has found his jam. He loves it. He shows up every week. He said, one day a lady came up after service and said, Pastor Jimmy, I appreciate you guys adding a part of your service that, uh, that helps and, and, and benefits our, our deaf community. And they thought Patrick was really up there doing sign language. And uh, anyways, a little humor, but a powerful story. And I was thinking about this story the other day. Again, this was in April when I met him and I heard this story and, and it rocked me, honestly, as we were just kind of praying and seeking about uh, where God was calling us as a church and what we would do. But um, I started thinking about what was the thing that fueled Pastor Jimmy to start this 20 plus year ministry? Obviously, he didn't know how long it was going to be when he went into there. But but what was the thing that has fueled it from the beginning and fueled it year after year after year? And there are several, but there's a personal one, not for me, but for Pastor Jimmy and the others that are involved there. And it's simply this, compassion, compassion. As we are in this series of being filled today, I want to talk to you about being filled with compassion. Compassion is what led Pastor Jimmy to say, you know what? I'm not seeing what I think God has called us to do at the way that I've always done church. And so I'm going to step into a neighborhood where people who don't look like me, act like me, dress like me, live like me, because I love them, because I'm compassionate about them. I want to help them. I want to provide needs to them. I want to build a relationship with them. I'm going to put Patrick on a stage who probably has never played an instrument in his life. He can't even have a full coherent conversation, but I'm going to let him play guitar because I'm filled with compassion for Patrick. I'm going to give these people a grocery store, but because this area is so poor, the grocery store had moved out and now they're going to gas stations and they're having to buy old food that's three or four days old at a very significant uh, uh, price compared to the grocery store. So we're going to figure out how to raise money and put a grocery store in here. Why? Because I'm compassionate. This is what filled Pastor Jimmy and all the people who are a part of Church Under the Bridge And this is what you and I need to be filled with, not just as a church, but as individual believers. We are to be filled with compassion. As you know, I am, uh, I like Greek words sometimes, especially when I'm preaching a message or teaching on just one specific topic or one specific word as today, compassion, because I think that I can say that word and you can think of several different things uh, and they're probably not necessarily wrong. We just kind of have uh, our own little perspectives as to what that word means. And so I want to look at that word in the Greek. I'm going to try to pronounce this word right. This is kind of a, 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 an interesting one. So I was like, I got to share it. All right. So here's the Greek word for compassion. Spagnesiomai. Spagnesiomai. And I probably didn't say that right, but that was, I listened to it several times online. Splachnesiomai. Check this out. This is what it means. All right, you ready for this? Kind of gross. To be moved as to one's bowels, hence to be moved with compassion or have compassion, in parentheses, the bowels were thought to be the seat of love and pity. And so you're like, Brian, what in the world are you talking about? We're talking about compassion and we're talking about bowels at the same time. Like, you know what this is saying? Compassion is when you get that feeling in your stomach. 
When you get that turning in your gut, when you see someone and you're so compassionate towards them, it won't go away, it won't let go. It's like turning, it's gripping, it's pulling inside of you. And you know that because of that feeling, because of what's happening inside of you, you must step into action. You must do something. It's that tugging, not just this feeling of, oh, I feel sorry for them, or oh, look at them, or oh, I can't believe they're having to go through. Oh, no, it's like, oh, my gosh, this has gripped me to my core, and I've got to do something about it. This is what you and I are supposed to be filled with. This is biblical compassion. As I think about compassion, as I think about um how, how do we learn what it looks like from a biblical perspective? Who do we follow? Who do we look at? What better person than to look at in the life of Jesus? So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9 today. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 41. Let's jump in. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And so as I think about this message today, as I was preparing, you know, I like points. I like being able to write things down, but I'll just be honest with you. I don't have three points today, but what I do have is a couple issues and a couple responses to those issues. And so the first issue, if you want to write this down that I see in this passage, as we talk about being filled with compassion is this. The issue is the condition of the people, the condition of the people. Now, before I give you the response to this, before I dive into what I'm even talking about, you're like the issue, the condition of the people. What are you talking about? Let me just show you how Jesus is able to get a better understanding of the condition of the people. All right, let's look at our very first verse in that passage, verse 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Do you see this? He's traveling, he's moving, he's going through different places. He's teaching the word of God, he's proclaiming he, he, in word and deed. So he's not just out there preaching on a street corner, he's also healing people. People are coming to him. He's physically showing himself and he's showing who he is. He's revealing himself, he's traveling. So this is Matthew nine thirty-five. This is the passage that we're in today. But Matthew wants to make sure that the readers are understanding what Jesus is doing Look at Matthew chapter 4 if we back up a little bit. Chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus did what? He traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. It sounds like copy and paste, right? Well, hey, here's one more. Matthew. Oh, this is, I got the wrong verse up here. It's not Matthew 4, it's uh, Matthew 11, 1, I believe. It says, when Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach and touse throughout the region. You say, Brian, what are you trying to say here? What I'm trying to say is that the way that Jesus was able to understand the condition of the people that were around him was because he was constantly going towards them. He was moving, he was traveling, he was going out. He wasn't going to people as if they were a hindrance. People were coming to him and they were not an inconvenience. He wasn't sitting still. He wasn't just hanging out at his office. 
office. He wasn't going through the normal routine of just, hey, I got to do what I got to do today. He went to the people and he found them. Why? Because he had compassion for them. As I think about you and I, we can, we can understand the condition of people by just looking around. But how much more would we understand the condition of the people that are around us if we were intentional about going to them? If we lived a life for the, the, the you know, we're in the people business. Like I'm here to show you how much I care about you, to show you how much I love you. You're not an inconvenience to me. You're not a hindrance to me. You're not a burden to me. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna be active. I'm not just gonna show up at church for 90 minutes on Sunday and then go home and get back in my normal routine. I'm here to tell people about Jesus and to allow people to experience the love of Jesus, the love that only he can provide through the way that I live my life. And so I think it's important. It's so important for us to understand this because I feel like we get so complacent and so comfortable in the way that we live our lives that we miss out on what God is calling us to do. We miss out on the opportunities that he puts in front of us. We miss out on the people that God has, has, has orchestrated, has divinely appointed for us to come in contact with on a daily basis at different places and spaces and times and whatever it may be. But we're so locked into what we gotta do that these people, although we you know, feel bad for them, we can't allow them to interrupt our schedule. We can't allow them to come around our kids because, oh my gosh, it might be unsafe. Why? Jesus was moving constantly. He was on mission. He wasn't going to just go through the motions. He was active about pursuing people, living a life in active ministry. And this led him to being able to understand that the issue was the condition of the people. Now, let's go back to our passage, Matthew chapter 9. Remember, he's traveling, he's going out, he's teaching. He's preaching and he's healing people. And now the very next verse, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So, so the, issue, the issue was the condition of the people. The condition of the people was that they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I don't know about you, it doesn't take long for us to think about someone that we know in our life who is confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They're lost. They don't know Jesus. They don't know what they're doing in life. They're making terrible choices. Like we know somebody. And if you don't, not to be judgmental, we can just come in here on a Sunday morning at our church location and just walk out in the parking lot. And it won't take but just a couple minutes for you to find someone wandering around out here who's been up all night, drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be, and they're hopeless. They're lost. Like this is the issue. This is the condition of the people and they're all around us. This is where so many people stop. Because I believe everybody knows somebody like this. You know, again, I'm being a little exaggerated to say, hey, if you want to go meet somebody, I can show you, but I'm being real too. It's a true statement. But I think this is where it stops. We, we see the condition of people around us. It doesn't take much to look around and see the darkness in our society, the brokenness, the hurting, the pain, the hopelessness. People who are sheep without 
a shepherd, not because there's not a shepherd, but because they haven't chosen to follow the shepherd. But we stop there. We say, man, I, sh- I wish that person would get a job, stop asking for money. You know, sometimes I do too, if I'm being honest. But oh man, I feel bad for them. I hate, I hate that they're going through that. Man, look at them. Look at, they're such a mess. Like, this is just emotion. This is just feeling. This is sympathy. And none of that leads us into action. So, so the issue, the issue is what? The condition of the people. Look at this. This is how Jesus responds. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he saw the condition of the people, which was the issue, and his response was to be compassionate. As I go back to this whole part of, of Jesus traveling and moving, you're like, Brian, why did you even take time to share that? How, did, how does that impact this? How does it, what, what, what's it got to do with this? The fact that Jesus was intentional about going to people and intentional about allowing people to come to him, the fact that they weren't an inconvenience, the fact that they weren't a hindrance, the fact that he would take time to listen, the fact that he cared, it fueled compassion because now this person has a name and a face and a story and a situation. And so now the condition of these people is now personal to Jesus. And now it fuels compassion. And compassion leads us to action. Does that make sense? Like we're to be filled with compassion so that we can impact and help the issue, which is the condition of the people all around us. We have an opportunity to impact people on a daily basis. Why? If you're a Christian, number one, you got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Pastor Jay talked about that last week. That's why it's important for us to be filled with that. But compassion comes from that. It comes from an overflow. It's not sympathy, it's empathy. I don't want to just see you and say, oh, I feel bad for you. I want to put myself in your shoes and figure out, hey, how can I help you? Oh, I've been there before. Like, I know exactly. Let's talk. Let's connect. You're not a hindrance. You're not an inconvenience. You're not less than. You're not terrible. You're not too dirty. You're not too jacked up to talk to me. Let's let me show you the love of Jesus because of the compassion that I have for you. The issue was the condition of the people, the response was compassion. As I think about times in my life where either I chose to show compassion or I chose not to, there are many stories uh, that I could share, but I'll just share some in the context of our church. I remember about, I don't know, three months ago, I was driving to work or driving to church. (laughs) Uh, I guess it is work, but for me, but I was... I was preaching that day and I remember driving and just kind of being in like this mental fog and I was praying, I'm like, God, help, like clear my mind, help me to be focused, help me to see things that you see. And sure enough, I pull into the church, I come around uh, right near McDonald's and I saw a man in the, in the dumpster and I was running a, a right on time, which right on time means two minutes late for me. And uh, I'm like, I got to get to church and I passed the dumpster and I started going and I said, you know what? I need to go back and talk to this guy. I went back, I pulled up by the dumpster. I said, hey man, you want breakfast? And he said, and he was just ecstatic and I won't go through the whole conversation. But I remember talking to him and I remember looking in that man's eyes and I remember being filled with compassion for that man. 
and I had no idea what he had been through. He seemed to be well known in the area, uh, living on the streets. And um, but my heart broke for him. I had that feeling in my gut. I'm like, I gotta do something. And so I go and I get him breakfast, and I come back, and we start having a conversation. He shares his name with me, tells me a little bit of his story. And I say, Hey, man, I'd love to see you over at church. We're having church here in about an hour. I'd love for you to come in, and then we're gonna have lunch after, and I'd love to feed you lunch too. And uh, man, my heart broke for him. And sure enough, he showed up at church. He had lunch with us. And uh, I just remember God in that moment showing me, hey, I need you to see what I see. I need you to keep your eyes open to the things that, that I want you to step into. And you're only going to do that if you're filled with compassion for my people. Because I easily could have went on. Then there was another time, about a month after, we were leaving church. And there was a young couple sitting on the corner. There's a little corner as you get ready to pull out of our church building uh, where I see people all the time. And I remember pulling up to them, and I literally was almost in tears talking to them. Um, they were obviously making some bad, bad life choices and um, had kind of had a, a, a bad, uh, been, been, been dealt a bad hand, for lack of better terms. But I gave them some food because we had some food in the, in the vehicle that was left over from church and I remember looking in their eyes and I was almost in tears because of how broken and empty um, they looked by just looking into their eyes. And uh, I gave them a little bit of food because I I did have some compassion, uh, but I pulled off and I remember pulling off and I remember thinking, man, you could have done so much more. You could have stopped and not looked at them as an inconvenience to make you late for lunch because you're hungry, because you just preached and you've been at church. But you could have just taken a little bit of time and, and spent some time there talking to them and maybe had a in-depth relationship. Maybe you could have shared the gospel with them. Like, I just think about times where, where I'm filled with compassion and, and compassion leads us to action, but we still have to make a choice to act. And how times I step into it and I act and I respond and other times I just kind of push that feeling away down in my stomach. Like, ah, I can't do it today. What if we constantly lived our life on mission like Jesus. We were moving. We were going from place to place. Everywhere we went, we were looking for opportunities so that we could get a better understanding of the condition of the people so that we could be filled with compassion and step into action. I don't know about you. I got work to do. I hope you do too. We're not done yet. Let me share one more issue and response with you. Here we go. In verse 37 and 38, He said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. What's the issue? There ain't enough workers. There ain't enough workers. He says, listen, uh, there's a whole lot of harvest happening, but there's only few workers. And so Jesus is talking to the disciples. He says, I need y'all to start praying that God's going to send us more workers into the fields. Little do they know (laughs) that. In chapter 10, the very next chapter, those people, those workers that he was praying for and asking for were the disciples. (laughs) And so he's kind of setting them up like, hey, the harvest is plenty, the workers are few, we need to pray for more. Oh yeah, by the way, you're it. But I think about now, that passage is still true today, just as true as it was yesterday. And so, so the response, what's the response? The issue is not enough workers. The response, well... It's up to you. It's up to you. 
This passage is still true today. The harvest is plenty. There are opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for you to harvest the seeds, the plants, the fruit that someone else has planted, that God has started, that God is allowing you to intervene with. The question is, will you be a worker? Because the response is, is up to you. As I think about that verse in 37 and 38, you know, to go, to pray for more workers because the harvest is, is plenty and the workers are few. We need more people to send out into the fields. I think about another familiar verse. It's here in Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the Great Commission. This is what Jesus has commanded us to do. So all along, this whole time, Matthew has painted this picture. I need you to go. I need you to move. And the rest of the Great Commission is to teach them. I need you to share the gospel. Teach the word of God. Teach them to obey what I've said, what I've spoken, what I've written. I've given it all to you. Be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The issue is we need more workers. The response is up to you. And so as we end this morning, I think about how you and I can respond. What are the response or responses that God is calling us today? And there may be some that I'm not going to list, but I want to give you three. And it may be one of these you need to respond to. It may be all three of those. But the first one is that you need to pray that God would fill you with compassion. Because this is how he sees people. This is how he lives his life. I don't know about you. I've been in a situation, in a context, maybe that's not so great or not so beautiful or not so pretty or not so pleasant where I have compassion or when I don't. And the way that I respond is drastically different. And so I want to be filled with compassion so that when I respond, when I speak, when I present myself, when I live my life, I reflect the image of Christ. And so maybe today you're like, oh, I see people all the time and I feel bad for them, but I'm never compassionate. I never have that like feeling in my gut where I'm so burdened and just, oh. You need to pray for that. Like, God, give me compassion. Help me see people the way you do. Love people the way you do. Live the way that you do. Maybe it's not just compassion. Maybe you have that. Maybe you don't. Maybe the next one, and maybe you put them together, is that you need to, you need to be a worker. You say, hey, I'm committing today. I'm going to step up. Understand, the harvest is plenty. The workers are few. The laborers are few. And I'm ready to be a laborer. I'm ready to be a worker. I'm ready to start seeing things differently. I'm ready to stop being complacent. I'm ready to stop living in my bubble. I'm ready to stop stop living in this little comfortable thing of, of the rhythm of life. I'm ready to start moving the way that Jesus did and look for opportunities to impact people because I understand that the harvest is plenty. I'm responding today. I'm gonna be a worker. And then third... Again, they can all go together. You need to train up a worker. You need to respond today by training up a worker. You've been active. You're filled with compassion. You've been moving. You've been impacting people. And it's amazing. But it's time for you to take someone that you can mentor and say, hey, let me show you about this abundant life. This is abundant life. Living filled with compassion the way that Jesus did. 
seeing what He sees, loving on people the way that He loves, allowing people to feel cared, seen, noticed, and the compassion that you have for them. How do you respond today? How do you respond today? Here's what I want to do. I want to do something a little different, and it may be weird on a camera and on a TV screen. If you're driving, I don't know, maybe you can slip your hand up, but I can't respond for you. But I pray today that that the Holy Spirit has convicted you through this word. I know, and I said this a while ago, I got work to do. I've been convicted as I was preparing for this, as I'm preaching this. I'm not the best at always being filled with compassion, but I want to be. And so I want to ask you right where you are, if you want to respond in one of those three ways or multiple, you, you want to you respond today by saying, all right, I'm about to start praying to be filled with compassion. I'm going to respond today by saying, hey, here I am, send me. I'm about to be a worker. I understand the labor, the harvest is plenty, and I've been sitting back on the bench. I've been sitting back. It's time for me to step up, and today I'm responding. My response is, is that I'm going to be a worker, a laborer for the sake of the kingdom. Or you're going to respond by saying, hey, I got both of those, but I'm ready to find somebody to mentor. I'm ready to find somebody to train up. Here's what I want you to do. If you're going to respond to any of those three things, I want you to stand up right now where you are. If you're in your living room, again, if you're in your car, don't stand up. Raise your hand up. But if you're in your living room, you're in your office, you're in your bedroom, whatever, stand up right now. I don't care who's around you. I don't care if your kids are looking at you like you're crazy. I don't care if the dog is on your lap. If you want to respond, I want you to physically, tangibly stand up right where you are right now. And this isn't some, you know, special, super spiritual thing by standing up. But here's what it does do. It puts your thoughts, your desires, the tugging in your stomach puts it into motion. He says, hey, I'm, I'm, here I am. Husband, wife, look at me. Son, look at me. I'm making a commitment today. I'm responding. I'm responding. I'm going to be filled with compassion. I'm going to be a worker. I'm ready to go make a difference. I'm ready to impact this area. I'm ready to impact people at my work. I'm ready to impact people in my neighborhood. I'm going to be filled with compassion for these people. And I'm standing up today responding to that. I promise you, you won't regret it. You won't regret it. You will not regret it. Let's go change the world together, church. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Maybe you're here today, you're listening. You say, fill with compassion, man. I don't even know if God loves me. Can I just tell you how much God loves you? He loves you so much, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. Pay a price you couldn't pay on your own so that you could be with the Father forever. And maybe today you need to respond to that. Understand, I'm desperate. I'm a sinner, broken, lost, hopeless. I'm confused and hopeless like a sheep without a shepherd. And today I need to respond to the saving power of Jesus Christ. Can I pray for you? Father, we're thankful for this day. Thank you so much for the life of Jesus Christ, the one that we get to model, the one that we get to study and look at and take that and apply it to our lives and figure out how we can look more and more like Jesus. God, I just pray right now that you would fill us with compassion, send us out into your fields, as workers for the harvest is plenty, Lord, and help us to take somebody along with us and train them up. I pray for that person right now who doesn't know you. 
Lord, I pray that you would remind them how much you love them. They have purpose. They have value. They've been created by you and you desire a personal relationship with them. No matter what they've done, no matter what they're doing, they can turn from their wicked ways. They can repent in this moment, turn for you and have new life, turn towards you and have new life. Father, we just pray for that to take place. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen and amen. Hey. Next Sunday, we are going to be at Pop-Up Church, which is at City Park. So we will not have an online service. We will be in the park, Father's Day. Show up there. If you want to come early, help set up. That'd be awesome. If not, show up at 10 o'clock. We're going to have a great message. We're going to have a great time together. We'll have gifts for you dads just to show you how much we appreciate you. And it's going to be an incredible time. But before Sunday, it's Saturday. And I want to personally invite you to meet me right here where we are standing uh, you can find our, our website, our address to the studio on our website, as well as uh, on social media. But we're going to meet here, 9 o'clock Saturday morning. Uh, we're going to put some stuff together for our lemonade stands. We are going out from 10 to 12, uh, multiple locations to have lemonade stands. All the money we raise is going to buy gift cards for the Up Center, which is a foster care a uh, private organization that provides care to vulnerable children and families throughout all seven cities. And so uh, every dollar we raise that gets donated at our lemonade stands is going to go to them. And uh, we're just looking forward to a great time. We're going to let the kids kind of lead the show. And uh, they're going to come here again. We're going to meet here at nine o'clock. We're going to feed you breakfast. The kids are going to make some posters. We're going to kind of prep everything up. And then we'll go out from 10 to 12 and, uh, and give some lemonade away and tell people about Jesus and tell them about foster care and invite them to church. We'll have some resources for you. All you got to do is hand them out. I'm going to train you, if you will. Uh, just give you a little five-minute spill here at 9 o'clock when we meet together just to help you uh, with some verbiage, help you invite somebody to church so don't feel like you are uh, unequipped or unqualified. It's going to be a great weekend. I can't wait to see you at both of those. I hope you have a great day. Have a great week. I love you guys. I'll see you soon.